Okay, podcast in three, two, one. Hello, everybody. It's Tony Barnhart and the media guys. We are back here in August uh, doing a podcast for what has been an eventful time in college football. Before we get started and call the roll, uh, we want to thank our, our friends at APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of quality sports simulation games. John Hirsch has been very good to us, and uh, we appreciate his company. Thanks. Thanks also to Dave at Revelation Studios in Chino, California. They give us all kinds of technical assistance, and we could not do it without Dave. So thanks, Dave. We appreciate it. So, guys, here we are. Let's quickly call the roll. From lovely Sichuan, Massachusetts, we have Mark Blauschen, the Jersey guy. How are you, Jersey guy? I am here. Okay. good. Uh, from the lovely area of Chicago, Mr. Herb Gould. Mr. Gould, how are you today? I am ready and here. And the pride of Rutgers University, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Lucci. Luch, how are you today? I'm very well, Tony. Very good. good here. Well, guys, when we were together about a week ago, we, we, we had no idea what was going to happen later in the week. And basically what happened, and we'll talk about it in length today, is on Tuesday of last week, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 bowed out, and uh, they're going to shut it down for the year. The ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are holding firm, so now we've got six conferences playing, three big boy conferences and three group uh, group of five conferences. And now we got the season coming up. Let's go around the table first. Herb, I want to start with you because you're right there in the middle of the Big Ten country. Let me ask a provocative question, if I may. Did the Big Ten panic? Well, you know, that's great that you put it that way, Tony. Thanks for being polite. But, yes, I, I really think they should have kicked it down the road a little better, uh, you know, because you, you've got these young men and their parents signing petitions. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Warren is in his first year. Uh, you know, I don't know if there was enough networking done, but, yeah, they should have, you know, revised and uh, tabled some things. Uh, you know, what, what the three that are still playing, I don't think they're going to play, but I think they're doing this the right way. I think you need to wait until the last possible instant. And, yeah, the Big Ten should not have pulled the trigger as quickly as they did because we're seeing all the dissension, notably Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, Nebraska parents. Uh, you can go down the list. So, yeah, the Big Ten panicked. Well, let me take this opportunity to remind everybody that uh, our stuff uh, – uh, Herb and Mark and myself and Tom Lucci can all found on, be found. We're the under the SI umbrella, umbrella at SI.com slash TMG. And uh, my man, Mark Blauschen, had a very, very busy week uncovering all kinds of news. Mark, you've had a chance to sort of sleep on this for a few days. Ultimately, wh- why did the Big Ten do – why did they do what they did and why did they do it at this particular time? Because every, everything that has happened – since then, has basically undercut the timing of their decision. I agree with you, and Herb's right. I mean, I, I think they probably, and, and at the end, they probably have done the right thing because I, I think the odds of playing are still against it. The decision they made, why they did spend one week after having all the hoopla of the schedule, an early schedule, of course, September 3rd schedule, and then within one week changing their mind without any uh, explainable reason is what has everyone perplexed. 
if they had done what the SEC had, had done at the start by saying September 26th is their start date and stuck to that time, I think we would have less problems. But they've created their own problems, and now they have to live with it. And I don't think it's going to be reversal by the Big 12, by the Big, Big, Big Ten. But I, I believe anything these days, anything can happen. I'm, I'm not sure of anything anymore. Tom Lucci, at, at the end of the day, uh, as somebody told me, is, this is a decision we had to make, but we didn't have to make it today. Why? What is is it? Is it part of Kevin Warren being a first-year commissioner? Uh, did they think that the medical evidence was so overwhelming, and people people are now trying to undercut that? But did they think that medical evidence was so overwhelming and so clear-cut that no one would challenge what they did? Well, and I, I think I don't think there's any question. It's the science that's uh, dictating everything they do, and uh, you're right. People are trying to undercut it. I, I, listen. I admire Justin Fields for trying to, to to rouse up the masses and stuff like this. But you know what it reminds me of, Tony? Uh, this kind of stuff, especially when there's a preponderance of science and and medical evidence here. And we're seeing every day that when you wear masks, uh, the, you know, the, the cases go down, the positives go down dramatically. So mm-hmm. there's scientific evidence there. But it reminds me of when my kids wanted to uh, eat ice cream for dinner wanted to not go to school, wanted to stay up past midnight. I mean, at some point, there have to be adults in the room. Right. And whether or not the Big Ten acted prematurely, which I would tend to agree with in doing this, uh, they're acting like adults. And, and so in that case, uh, you know, I'm kind of supporting what they did. We've already seen uh, at Alabama the first gathering of students. <laughs> it, it, it looked like Woodstock. You know, I mean, that can't be good. And, and to me, Tony, the worst case scenario in all of this is starting two games and then having to shut it down. Oh, that's 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 the worst. Absolutely. When you when you talk to everybody, guys, they're just they they want to get to the start of the season, but they want to have some kind of confidence that once they play the first games, they can um, they can play after that. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- there's no question. Well, you know, if I might add, Tony, I think the other problem we have here is that if the Power Five, you know, they are essentially a league, you know, a, a, an oversized league, and they have to act in concert. I, I wrote a piece about that last week that, you know, this really begs for a, a true commissioner and who can, even if he doesn't have ultimate power, you've got to have all five conferences on the same page. Otherwise, you're going to have the situation you have right now where you've got dissension in the ranks, uh, in the Big Ten and Pac-12, you've got the Big 12 now trying to hold the line. They're not set up to do that right now. Right. Mark, let me ask you, ask you this. It is clear, uh, you and I have had discussions about this before, but it, it seems to be pretty clear that the, the new commissioner of the, of the Big Ten and the commissioner Greg Sankey are not really talking much to each other. Doesn't, doesn't it appear that way to you? Yeah, it is, and I think it. I don't. I think it's just not familiar. They're not familiar with each other, and that's part of the process. I mean, if you remember in, in the days of the BCS, they had rotating chairman uh, of, of the BCS by the, by the commissioners each year. You know, one one of your Mike Springisi was the chair, then Jim Delaney, then then Mike Slive. I think maybe they should do that this year. Is that they give the Power Five gives each commissioner. The role of of the chairman of, of the commission, and they and they act in unison. What's happening now is we have we have five commissioners, five five limousines, 
in five different directions, and then we have chaos. Yep, that's exactly right. So, Tom, Tom, bottom line, I don't care if Justin Fields gets a million signatures on his petition, the Big Ten's not going to change their mind, right? I would think not. I mean, I, you know, this is the kind of decision because the, the worst you can do in a situation like this is waffle. You've made a decision. Now stand by it. Let's see, you know, how successful the three remaining power five conferences are in, in pulling this thing off. Because like I say, I, I think, in, and Mark and I have talked about it, things are going to change dramatically when, when kids get on campus and start gathering. I, I don't know how you stop that. It's just you can't stop adults from doing it in certain states. So I don't know how you're going to stop college students, and, and that seems to promote the spread of this thing. And you can. You have a mess. So to me, you, you could wind up worse than where you started. I admire the decision to try and wait, uh, and, and I, I do respect the Big Ten's decision to, to shut it down early based on science, but I think the Big Ten has done the right thing at this point, and we'll see. It, they could be proven wrong, but I don't think you can waffle. You, know, you make right. a decision, you stand by it. Right. Uh, so here's where we are. Here's where we are. The Southeastern Conference uh, is going to uh, announces its schedule on Monday. Okay, their first their first game is September 26th, the latest uh, that anybody was going to start. So that's the SEC. The ACC has their first game on Thursday, September 10th. We'll see if that game is played. That's a non-conference game. The Big 12 has a bunch of non-conference games on September 12th. Some of them, in my opinion, may not get played, but they don't start conference. They take a week off and start conference play on the 26th. Uh, Luke, let me start with you. Of those three Power Five conferences that are still going down this road, who in your mind is the most vulnerable? Or put another way, who is the most likely to drop out if somebody drops out? Uh, that's a good question. I, w- I would tend to think the, the ACC, <laughs> because you know better than anybody, the SEC is going to want to forge ahead almost regardless. You know, they're going to try and stick this thing out as, as long as they uh, as long as they possibly can. And I think, p- for the most part, the Big 12 kind of has the same mindset. You know, they, they, those kind of schools have the same mindset. But I, I think the, uh, the ACC is a little, you know, a, a little bit more understanding of this stuff and, and, and kind of, you know, they always kind of fancy themselves as more of a, I'm going to put this in quotes, academic conference, you know, like the, like the Big Ten um, as a Power Five conference. Um, because of the certain schools that they have in there. So I think that they would give this a lot of thought. And if anything came up that started to, to make a mess out of things, I think they would, they would be the first to shut it down. Now, Blau, uh, you brought up an interesting topic about the fact that Oklahoma had nine positive tests uh, when they sent some guys home for a break. Uh, we are learning today that Kennedy Brooks, their All-America running back, 2,000 yards years in a row, is going to opt out uh, of this season. Mark, what happened? You know, is Oklahoma starting to look a little vulnerable here? I think they're waffling big time, Tony. And I think that if, if, if the cups that goes, I mean, I agree with what Luke says. That was that was before. Now. Oklahoma has this problem, and Lincoln Riley has been lukewarm about playing. Anyway, he's, he's, he's been very conservative about about, about playing. And so I, I think what we, the Big 12 might have it is nine schools versus Texas in, in a standoff because Texas wants to play football. I mean, they've made it very clear they want to play football. Now, if they can go against their, their, their other nine 
Big 12 brethren, God bless them. But I think that's where the, the, the battle is going to come. And if the Big 12 falls, then we're going to eventually develop up because the Big 12 falls, the ACC is going to be gone pretty quickly. The other three, the other three uh, uh, group of five conferences will be gone. So then the SEC is standing there holding a flag by itself. What do they do? Tony, you know better than anybody what the, what the SEC mindset is. And second, if you finish the second, wouldn't be the one left, the, the one ranger in this one. But I don't know what's going to happen anymore with that one. But I think the Big 12 in the next couple of days, watch them very closely. Well, it, it's it's going to be interesting simply because the, the Commissioner Sankey of the SEC has been asked about this, about whether the, the SEC is sitting there, would they go it alone? He has indicated that that's, that is not an optimal situation. And I, I get a sense that if the other two conferences simply drop out, uh, he's not going to stand up there at the Lone Ranger, as the Lone Ranger, but you absolutely, absolutely never know. Uh, Mark, you had an interesting uh, column. All of our all of our stuff is on si.com slash TMG. TMG stands for the media guys. Mark, you had an interesting theory. You, so we've got six conferences left. We've got the three Power Five conferences we named. Uh, we have Conference USA. We have the American Athletic Conference, and we have the Sun Belt. So that's six conferences. Mark, you you came up with a plan that would pull all six of those conferences together in sort of a unit. Tell, tell us about that. Well, I mean, the, the, the ironic part is they do play a season. It's, it's pretty clear that I think that they, they want to go ahead with a playoff system as, as it was initiated, which is two semifinal uh, games and a championship game uh, among the, the New Year's Six games and, and the other three New, New Year's Six Bowl games. So I, I did some checking around, and, and there's, there's 12 spots open, uh, and there's, there's six divisions there. So you got you, you got all, you have a normal thing of, of – of, for the, for the final four, you have three spots, four spots. So you have the three uh, five conferences get spots, one one at large spot. Okay, so now you still fill those other bowls, and and there's enough at large spots open for second and third place teams for the power five, plus at least two more spots for the for the group of five, so everyone can be accommodated. When I threw that theory by about three different people, uh, left the, the 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 chain and and the, the college football players, and they also yeah, that could work. I mean, there might be some 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 pushbacks, but from the power five say we want our third, our fourth place team in, in the group, but it could work. So you might have a chance for, for those small conferences of once in a lifetime Sunbelt champion playing in, in, in a, in a cotton bowl or, or a fiesta bowl. And I think they should jump on it. So that's the possibility of, of what could happen if they go through with this. Well, to me, what it does is it energizes and gets people involved in the other three conferences. So now you do, you're working with a group of six, that, and people would be following the races all year because you, you know we know what a, we know what a good job Michael Resco has done at the American Athletic Conference. Uh, wouldn't it be neat to know that that the, that conference champion is going to get a spot in one of the New Year's Six bowls? You know, not 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 necessarily a spot in the playoffs, but a spot in one of the New Year's Six bowls. I think that would draw more interest. And under these unusual circumstances, I think you got to do everything you can to. Uh, Draw as much interest as possible uh, to the rest of college football. So, and, and we we'll increase the, the regular season uh, uh, importance of, of, of the Sun Belt and, and Conference USA because look what you're playing for. Then, if that, if that goes through, it's a tremendous, uh, a tremendous incentive at the end of the year to play. So, I mean, I think it's all good. Again, if it, if it happens, guys, I want to go back to the to the 
the parents and the, what they have done writing, you know, what was it? 60 Iowa parents wrote a letter uh, to the big 10 uh, expressing that they wanted to uh, them to review that decision. We, we've never seen anything like that in college football. Is it, is it more of a question that, that the parents who, who wrote the letters, they don't necessarily want you to definitely change your mind, but I think everything that I've heard from this part of the world is just the suddenness of the decision where you release your schedule one day and four days later, you're shutting down, you're shutting it down for the rest of the year. Is, is that what these parents, is that the message these parents are trying to send Herb Gould is that, Hey, you may, you may come up with this. We just need a better explanation about what you did and why you did. Yeah. You know, as we, we said before, Tony, you needed to have a monolithic decision here. When you've got two conferences out and three conferences in, these parents are looking at it and saying, well, well, if my son was playing at Georgia or Florida, he'd be playing. You know, Justin Fields is a transfer. He would have been playing if, if he hadn't uh, come up to Ohio State. Uh, yeah, I think the parents are concerned that their children are losing out on a great opportunity. I mean, I've talked to coaches not only in football, but in, even in, in golf at the college level. These kids have windows of opportunity, and they want to take full advantage of them. You know, I think that one of the uh, – this also points out that if we had had a monolithic decision where the five conferences kicked it down the road and then maybe worked behind the scenes and then maybe – they would have said, well, you know what? It's up to the individual schools. So maybe two schools from the Big Ten, the schools that really and truly wanted to play, maybe you could accommodate them. But this is just off the charts. As I think you guys mentioned earlier, just because you've got a petition, no matter how many millions of signatures on it, that doesn't change the reality of this. Look, look, let me ask you guys this. I mean, the bottom line – uh, Luch, you're you're in you're in Big Ten country now. What do you think? What do you think if, Je- if Justin Fields can't play this year? Is is he gone? Is he gone to the NFL? Oh, I would think so because it's uh, you know, wh- why would you uh, risk another year off? Right. You know, to possibly diminish what your value is, you know, to NFL scouts. You know, it's the you would remember. You probably remember this. It's the old. Uh, 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 Felipe Lopez philosophy at St. John's. Yep. Yep. He'd come out as a high school student. He'd have been a first round draft pick in the NBA. He played four years at St. John's and he washed out in the NBA, you know? So, um, yeah, if you're looking for that money, if you're just in fields, I would think, yes, you know, you have to say, okay, that's it. I'm washing my hands at college. You know, I made my effort. I transferred. I wanted to play again. Uh, they prevented me from doing that. Now it's time for me to move on. And then he gets to play because the NFL is playing games. All right. Let, here's one thing I wanted I wanted to bring up to the group, Mark. I'll start with you. Spring football. <laughs> I take yeah. it you are I, t- I take it you are skeptical about spring football. Skeptical. I, I think spring football is, is nice to have 20 practices and 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 some workouts and and then get ready for the season in fall. But the spring football as a competitive sport this this next spring, please let's be ridiculous. Justin, see, see the. The reason Justin Field is so upset is because he knows his college career is over, uh, regardless, because if, 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 even if they play football in the spring, he's not going to be playing in the spring for Ohio State. I guarantee you that. No. Not with the draft coming up in, in May. No. So, 
And then, and then why would why you would unless September what he like Luke said he can get hurt. So his career unless that play is fall is basically over his college career. So spring football just can't work. Uh, there's too many variables. And then now the other thing about spring football is you're, you're asking the same conferences and the same commissioners who can't agree on anything to put together a schedule of, of of when to start, when to stop, when to play games, where to do it. They can't do it. They're not capable of doing it, Tony. Well, I, I agree. I mean, to me, what you, to me, what you end up doing, you know, and we heard all the we heard all the possibilities. Well, maybe you just play an eight game schedule this spring and an eight game schedule in the fall. So basically, what you're going to do is you're going to screw up two seasons by sure. trying to so do two seasons. Yeah, take. I mean, as bad as this is, take your lumps. Try to figure out a way to survive financially. Come back for spring practice in the spring, and hopefully by then we can we can play in the fall of uh, fall of 2021. So, all right. So what what are the uh, what are the odds, guys? What are the odds of all three of these Power Five conferences making it to the start line? Because look, hey, practice started today. All right. For those who are playing September 26th, practice started today, and so practices started in the in these other conferences even earlier. Herb, Herb, I'll start with you. What what are, what are the odds that all three of these teams make it to the start line? Well, I would I would put them at far less than 50-50. You know, Tony, I think we've, we've talked about this. You know, it's not only the colleges that are going to decide this, but governors are going to decide this. You know, if if this virus is still flaring up in locations and they are limiting the number of people who can congregate, uh, you know, that might eliminate football games. So I would, you know, I would say, you know, far less than 50% that, that all three, I think far less than 50% that really any one of them plays given where we're at with the virus overall. Well, if nothing else, if nothing else, guys, <laughs> we all of us have had to become experts on various medical conditions like myocarditis. I had to spend an afternoon talking to a cardiologist just to get up to speed on that kind of stuff. It's and it's 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 scary. It is really, really scary. And I'm gonna be anxious to see what what these conferences do decide. And now that the, the students are coming back to campus, as as Luke said earlier, that place in Tuscaloosa looked like Daytona in spring break. Uh and, and, and if, if, if there are massive breakouts on these campuses, which there could be, I mean, it, it, here's the question I have, guys. It, we all remember on March 12th, they shut down the campuses and sent everybody home. All right. What's different? What's different today than March 12th when they shut the campuses down? Luch, I'll start with you. What's, 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 what's different now than March 12th when they originally shut the campuses down? What's changed? Well, I, I, if you're asking me to, for my observations on what's changed, I think I think the medical community has a better handle on how to deal with this virus once right. you get hospitalized, so you have a lower rate of mortality. So I, I think that's changed. You're not as panic-stricken and overwhelmed. The hospitals don't seem to be. And I think the other thing that might change is that it, it seems like every day we get a little bit closer to a vaccine, which would be an enormous uh, help to all this this whole entire situation. Those are the only two things that really have changed. You know, other than that, you're right, Tony. I mean, if people are going to congregate in large crowds like this, I mean, we, we can see that. But the St. Louis Cardinals had 18 games already they lost in baseball. Mm -hmm. I mean, baseball can't get through it. So I, I don't know how college football is going to with 
17, 18, 19-year-olds on campus after they've been cooped up for an entire summer and basically told them they <laughs> have to, you know, they have this quarantine. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I, we're seeing parties in New Jersey's that are they're popping up all over the place, you know, unannounced, and you, there's 400 people, and three days later you have 20 people test positive. So, so I don't know how it would be any different on a college campus. Somebody sent me some video, or I saw it somewhere that on uh, about an hour and a half. No, I'm in Atlanta, about an hour and a half north of here, a place called Dahlonega, Georgia. There's a small college called North Georgia College. Uh, just a small institution, you know, community, nice place to go to school. Somebody sent me some video from last night there, and it looks it, it was unbelievable. And my, my theory is what you said, Luch. You, you've been cooped up with your parents all summer long. You're, you're, break, you're breaking out of prison. And that's, and that's why these gatherings are what they are. The, the kids aren't, the kids are going to say, hey, I got to get, I got to get out. So, you know, the, the fascinating thing to me is what happens to the local health care system. I mean, Athens, Georgia, there are two, there are two hospitals in Athens, Georgia. Okay. And they were already struggling before the students got back to campus this week. What's going to happen there? And how does that impact football? Because the athletic directors have been telling us if the local health care situation gets overwhelmed, we got to take a hard look at what we're doing. Well, you know, Tony, I, one of the uh, doctors who's on the NCAA uh, committee overseeing all this, he's actually a uh, a physician at Emory in, in Atlanta and, and is dealing with what you're talking about, you know, uh, strained hospital capacities for ventilators and beds. And, and his comment really struck home. He said, you know, we're on the Titanic and we're talking about what time the band should play. I mean, that's really, <laughs> that's really where we're at when we're, when we're talking about resuming sports while the, the uh, COVID is, is flaring up out of control. I mean, people are going to have to learn to respect it because even with a vaccine, this is going to be a gradual resumption of normalcy. You know, when you say what's changed, we're becoming more familiar, but this isn't going to go away overnight, even with a vaccine, no. even if you give it to everybody in a day. Blue vaccine is not universal. It, this is a long process. But, nope. but guys, here's, here's the problem, guys. Well, I tell what Herb said is correct, but but for that doctor, is counted by a guy at Duke who's got who's was a preeminent, you know, specialist, and he basically told the ACC and Duke, we can live with, we can get every top, we can go through it. So the kids go, okay, you said one thing, you said the other. Who do I believe? That's right. the problem that gets what the coaches are having players because the players don't believe the doctors. They say. What, Herb, what you said is right. They, that's a very dangerous thing. It's very good gym. It's all, all, all dire, dire predictions. Then they go to the next guy who's just as qualified. He says, no, no, you can play. You can do this. So what happens? Who, who do you believe? That's causing a major problem right now. Well, and, and ultimately, guys, what it comes down to, just from talking to uh, doctors and people, like it, 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 there is an element of risk in all of this. The question is, what is the el what level of risk can you tolerate uh, as a, as a player, as the parent or guardian of a player? Because as, as one uh, athletic director told me, it says, if, if what, if the standard is no risk, if the standard is we can't have any infections or we got to shut it down, he said, we might as well sack up the bats now. All right. Because you're not going to meet that standard. The question is, can the risk 
be managed? Can the cases that do happen be managed uh, like baseball has sort of had to do? And that, that's what we don't know. What we don't, what we don't know is is uh, will there be breakouts when if if we start the games? Do we ha- do we have a bunch of uh, infections after the game? And that's what we we don't know. But if, there is an element of risk in all this, and people have to make up their mind what that level of risk is. So, all right, guys, what uh, Mark? What you got going on this week? You just monitoring things. I'm just going to wait. I, mean, I think the next two weeks are going to be key, Tony, because when the students are back at uh, back in classes, everyone's going to look at the numbers, and, and and I think the entire season, in terms of the three Power Five conferences, will hinge on on the number of positive cases, how how the football team is affected, and if it goes out of control, then we'll have a shutdown. But if they feel they can control it, then I don't see anything that's going to stop the season from start, at least starting. I, mean, I, I think if they say. Okay, we have so many positive cases, but our football team is is is, is down to one like one percent or you know like that, and we can manage it. Well, I think they're going to try. I mean, but, so that's so I think I think we'll find out within the next few weeks as classes start and the numbers come back in. Uh, teams are getting tested twice a week now, so we're going to have those numbers in. So it's going to be just a, a numbers game. And how much do you want to tolerate? And speaking of tests, uh, late Sunday, word broke that uh, the FDA has approved another, a different type of uh, testing uh, for the coronavirus, for COVID-19, a swab that's going to cost, you know, about $4 a pop, and you can get the results back in hours. If, you know, like anything else that gets approved, you got to wait and see if it's going to work and it's going to be applicable. But uh, just everything I've read, if this comes through, guys, this could be a game changer because what it would allow, what it would allow you to do, is basically test every day, and certainly the day of the game, you could test. That'll be next, yeah. next year. I wasn't ready until, I think it's all at least January. So I mean, is that right? For next season. Right. Well, that is that is the key. Okay. All right, guys. I, I think we've had all the fun we can stand today. We uh, it's always good to be with. Uh, the TMG podcast guys, we want to thank again our friends at APA, APBA, the unchallenged uh, king of sports simulation games. A lot of fun. And, of course, Dave over at Revelation Studios in Chino, California. Guys, we will be back next week. Thanks for joining me. Until then, carry on, folks. Carry on, folks.